It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. So good morning to our extended Elevate family via our podcast, uh, letting you know that uh, we're going to be launching our online experience next week. It's going to be a video thing, so you have the opportunity uh, around the world to be both listening via audio to our podcast and also uh, going to our app, and uh, you'll see a new video online experience. It's going to be a weekly thing, so that's really exciting. Um, Our new app, if you haven't uh, noticed already, get our Elevate Church AU app. There's a new version there. It's got a great uh, new features. We've kicked out some features that we got bored with. And uh, what's left is uh, pretty schmicko. So well done to the team there. Um, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. That online experience is going to be available there as well, wherever you are in the world. Today is the fourth and final week of a series we called All In, with the, the, the byline being B. The church, and it's really been a how to series. In week one, we talked about gathering live, the importance of gathering together, that, that following Jesus is a team sport. It's not just us and Jesus, it's us and a community following Jesus. That is critical. Number, week two, we talked about invest and invite, that, that Jesus didn't just die for church people, that he died for everyone. He came and gave his life, and that it's up to us to invest. And then partner together and invite people who don't yet know or aren't yet following Jesus to experience that reality. Last week, um, we talked about taking next steps, that, that Jesus asks us to answer two questions. Who do you say I am? And will you come follow me? And it's in this moment we experience salvation. And it's in this journey that we experience transformation. And that is critical. And today I want to talk in the fourth and final week about give generously, the fourth big rock of what we think are the most important things of what it looks like to be the church. Now, I get it. You've heard it. I've heard it. Maybe you've said it, or maybe you've thought it but didn't say it. But here's a couple of clangers. Oh, the church just wants your money. Anyone ever heard that before? All right. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever said it. Uh, or this one, you know, the close cousin, or the church is always talking about money. Uh, no, we're not. But, you know, we do, because it matters. And the, but the big idea is this, and we say this regularly. I say it, our platform leaders say it. Giving is not God's way of getting something from you. It's God's way of getting something to you and through you. And in that In that experience, in that opportunity, there's something transformative. There's something that we say, man, my opening my financial world up to God has opened up so much more. It's opened up opportunities. It's released who I am. It's it's actually seeing me playing a part. I mean, can you even believe God would let us do this? Play a part in seeing his kingdom advanced by taking some of what he's blessed us with and giving and investing that in and through the church. And I kind of want to unpack today what it looks like for God wanting something not from us, but something for us when it comes to giving generously. So 
If you have the old version of our app, you can open that, tap the Bible tile. It's going to take you to uh, something that John wrote, and I'll get into that in a minute. If you have the new app, the Bible tile no longer exists, so you can open up the Bible app and look for John chapter 3. And all of this is going to be a preview of our online experience next week. Uh, John chapter 3. Now, a couple of things about John and John chapter 3. First of all, John. John was one of Jesus' uh, hand-picked 12 disciples, 12 apostles. Um, he had a bit of moxie. The reason I know he had a bit of moxie is when he wrote about himself, he called himself the one that Jesus loved, which, which in a moment, that's going to sound even funnier than it just did in a moment based on what he actually wrote as well. Almost contradictory, but anyway. And the other thing I'm going to take you to, for probably for church people and, and followers of the NFL, uh, is, is probably the, one of the most, if not the most prominent thing that was ever written uh, about Jesus or what Jesus said or what was said about him and his mission. And the reason I say the NFL is because very often after, I'm not, I can't explain all the rules, there's so many. But anyway, uh, there's, you watch an NFL game, okay? Big sticks at the back, like rugby, big sticks, okay? Big sticks, they're not called big sticks. There's big sticks at the back and some guy comes on who used to be a soccer player from South America and he will try and kick that ball through the big sticks. And as you see that ball going through, you'll see a guy behind, behind the sticks with his body, no shirt on, but his body painted in various brands of colors of zinc cream to, to, to show you which team he's supporting. And he's got a very amateur painted sign that he holds up on cardboard that says, John, 316, which by the way, to just about every viewer around the world, they have no idea what that means. Is this the GPS coordinates for where this guy is standing? Is this, is, like, just to say John 3-16 to anybody apart from a deeply uh, cultivated church person means nothing, but God bless him for giving it a go. So John, by the way, the one that Jesus loved, said this. This is how much God loved the world, especially me. I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. He, he gave his son, his one and only son. I love this guy. And this is why. So really? Yeah, and this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. Oh, okay. How does that happen? Here. By believing in him, anyone, not just church people, can have a whole and lasting life. Man, I could slice and dice just these two sentences 50 ways and preach for the year just from this. We don't have time. But get this. God so loved the world. How did he demonstrate this? He gave. He gave something he only had one of. He asked the king of kings to step off the throne voluntarily. God gave. But he gave before we even knew he was giving. Because here's the thing about God. Here's the thing. This, and this isn't what God does. This is who God is. God gives first. God's posture, God's default, God's nature, God's character is, is before we even recognize we need it, before we even recognize it's available, he's already offered it to us. And, 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 and here's the thing. It's this aspect of God being generous, God's default being a giver. What it requires of us is, is to have our eyes open to that because he's always giving. He's always offering more. 
He's always got his hands extended towards us. And then our give it, so there's a receiving aspect. Well, that sounds selfish. It's not selfish. Somebody who puts the time and the effort and the energy into giving you a gift, selfish is not taking it. Oh, I don't want that. They're like, what? I've worked hard. I, God's like, no, this is for you. And by the way, the thing about God, when he gives it to you and you take it, he's not going to run out. So you're like, oh, yeah, but God, if I... no. There's plenty more where that came from, okay? But understand that giving is always second from us as a response to a God who always gives first. And then the one Jesus loved went on to say, the very next verse, verse 17, God didn't go to to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. See, there's a lot of people that have no interest in Jesus because too many churches talk about Jesus being this finger-pointing, finger-wagging, titch-titch guy who's always just trying to catch you doing the wrong thing and tell you how bad. It's like, well, what if this was true? How much would it change about how we present Jesus as the body of Christ. Yeah, we we screw up and yeah, we need help and yeah, we need salvation, but Jesus came to offer it, not to condemn us for it. Hmm, That's new. He came to help, to put the world right again. And anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. When, When you've been accused of a crime... And you did it. The most generous thing that could be offered to you is acquittal. And that's exactly what God did. God knew that we lived less than his best, that we live below his standard. Of course we live below a standard. I mean, standard is pretty flaming high. It's God. He's perfect. So we always live below that standard. But he sent Jesus to bridge the gap. He sent Jesus to acquit us when we actually were guilty. To give us what we didn't deserve, forgiveness. And, and not just a little bit, but acqu- acquittal means expunged from the record. It means it was on the whiteboard and now f- 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 gone. So not only does God give first, here's my Bible college uh, lingo, not. God gives lots. That's not the word they use in Bible college. God gives first and God gives lots. God doesn't just kind of drip blessing into our laps. He pours out blessing because that's who he is. And he's not afraid that he's going to run out. He gives lots, unlimited love, unlimited forgiveness, unlimited acceptance, unlimited peace. By the way, you know, one of the promises of God is that he will give and and make available to us 24-7, 365, a peace that passes understanding. Listen to this carefully, and I'm talking about this in the current climate we live in. One of the reasons people are fearful is because they have a lack of understanding, is that there is uncertainty. God doesn't always promise to answer the uncertainty. His promise is that he will give us peace that is beyond our level of understanding. That even when we don't understand, or let me say it this way, especially when we don't understand. It's not denial. 
Well, I don't know what's going to happen next week in Australia. Yeah, right. Me either. But God does. And yet, despite not knowing what's going to happen next week, I have access and you have access to a peace today that's beyond our understanding. Joy, unlimited joy, unlimited presence, and unlimited power. And then here's how this starts to transition. As we then, if and when, and as, we choose to respond to God, being a God that gives first and a God that gives lots, our generosity has the capacity to transform us. There's a choice in life to live one of two ways. And, and I was going to do this with um, a $5 note in each hand, but you're not allowed to use them at the moment. So I have a virtual, I have Bitcoin in my hand. <laughs> or as someone posted, uh, rolls of toilet paper on Facebook, Buttcoin. It's now the most expensive form of currency in Australia. But I couldn't find any toilet paper to do that either. So all sold out. But anyway, all right, back on message. So they're, they're, broadly speaking, <laughs> there are two ways to live. There's, there's, the cho- there's the choice we make to live with a clenched fist or the choice we make to live with an open hand. But let, me, let me show you how this looks in reality, in practice. The person that chooses to live with a clenched fist lives with the basic foundational belief that I'm the source. The person that chooses to live with an open hand recognizes that God's the source. The person that chooses to, chooses to live with a clenched fist presumes everything is mine and yet the person that by contrast lives with an open hand acknowledges that everything is his and the person that chooses to live with a clenched fist is fearful that I might run out but the person that lives with an open hand understands that he the source will never run out and so this choice that we have is available to us and they literally are polar opposites in terms of our position in life but here's the other thing and I've said this a few years ago. Understand that this same choice, the clenched fist versus the open hand, if you were to throw a a tennis ball to me right now, I would choose, I would have to, if I didn't change posture, I would have to, and I would only have the choice if I wanted to catch it, to receive it with an open hand. It's going somewhere else if I choose to try and receive it with a clenched fist because the same posture, the same choice, living clenched fist or living open hand, on the one hand, it's it's the opportunity or not to give out. It's also the same opportunity or not to receive. And so God calls us to live with an open hand, to recognize all these things, that he's the source, everything is his, and he'll never run out. And so as we choose to live with an open hand, giving isn't, God's way of getting something from us, it's his way of getting something to us. There is a lot of chatter in the Bible about money. Because the church always talks about money. Well, try reading the Bible. You'll get sick of all the money talk if you think that the church talks a lot about money. There's a whole lot of chatter in the Bible about money. But because there's so much chatter, it can be a little bit confusing. Like, oh, man, what does this mean for me today? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean when my paycheck comes in? What is this? So about 15 years ago, uh, Louis and I were working at Riverview Church down the road, and we had this, like, big brain guy working there with us as well, Dr. Mike O'Neill. Big, big brain, uh, Dr. Mike O'Neill. Some of you know him. 
And uh, as a team, leadership team there, we asked him, Mike, can you like, just take a month and, and go away and come back with like, a, a one-page overview of like, just distill down the, the biblical pattern for giving financially? Like, just... And he came back with this document. And in fact, it was like half an A4, A4 page, which is like, so good. And this is, this, is, this is what his heading was. And I took this on immediately. I think we were sort of doing it, but we didn't have this real simple framework to follow it. And I've taught it consistently. And many of you, if you've been here for a number of years, have heard us teach it consistently. It's simply this, that the big idea is that the first 10%, which in Hebrew times was called the tithe, but we're not Hebrews. First 10% is a goal and a minimum. That was the heading of Dr. Mike O'Neill's big brained PhD, DDD, HD, ADHD, all of those things. Uh, that was the that was the that was the heading. And I'm like, I can I can yeah, all right, great. First ten percent is a goal and a minimum. And and the way that works is that the first ten percent is God's uh, mechanism for actually resourcing the local church. So when Louis and I pay comes into our account, we give that day the first 10% to elevate church. Okay, and that's it. That's us playing our part, giving our first 10%. And it's a goal and a minimum. It's a goal because some people don't start at 10%. I mean, everyone starts at zero when you think about it. But, but maybe you're only ready because of faith or whatever, you know, and it's not judgment. It's not like we've got so much faith and you pathetic. No, it's just like people do have different levels of faith. That's the reality. And not just in terms of money, in every area of life. It's called a measure of faith and it varies. In, the, in, 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 in your faith, it's, as it pertains to your finances, you might not feel ready with your faith to go to 10%. Well, make that a goal, right? This is what, it's a goal. Make it a goal, but, but take a next step in the meantime. Go from zero to one. Go from zero to one and just, and just watch what God does with that. Watch if he runs out. You're like, oh, I don't care if he runs out. I'm worried about me running out. Yeah, well, go back to the last slide, okay? But <laughs> God doesn't live in my house and pay my mortgage. Well, don't worry about that. Well, first 10% is, is a goal, meaning zero to one, one to two, two to four, four to seven, and, and allow God to demonstrate his faithfulness. Allow God to show up. Allow God to show you that, that you'll never run out because he'll never run out. And one day... As you keep taking next steps, you'll magically, not magically, you will arrive because you've been taking consistent next steps. You'll arrive at 10%. And, and when you get to that 10%, and, I, and I'm talking from our, when you get to that 10%, you, you won't even think it's such a big deal because you've been on the journey. God's been with you. He's been faithful. He didn't leave you. He didn't, he didn't kick you out. He, and, and, you, and you're like 10%. And you're like, huh, oh, I'm Okay. It just feels like another day when you woke up, but now you're giving 10%. A few years ago, one of my buddies, he just started, him and his wife had just started giving their teenage daughter her first uh, uh, experience of pocket money. No longer is it, Mom, can I have this? Dad, can I have this? It's now, now you, you pocket money, and if you want something, you save for it. So pocket money started at $15. I don't know if that was daily, weekly, monthly. Who am I to judge? It was $15, and they said, but we want to encourage you. It's your money. But we want to encourage you and want to be teaching you and building into your pattern that the first 10% you give to God, $15. And she said, so um, how much is that? 
And uh, mom and dad said, a buck 50. And she said, is that all? I was like, yeah, you actually get to keep 90%. And she's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I literally am sometimes surprised that God only asks us to give 10%, given that it's all his in the beginning. But it, okay, great. So first, but a, but a goal, because you don't have to stop your faith journey and your next steps at 10%. You have to get 10% and I rip on the handbrake. It's like, man, let's just keep sailing past 10. Because God has been faithful from one to three to six to, and now I'm at 10. Ooh, I wonder, I wonder if my faith can grow to 11. 11, not just, yeah, the musos are like, he's gonna do it. Yes, your faith can go up to 11. All right, Jared, yes, I know, you're welcome. Sorry, anybody under 40 has no idea what I'm talking about, except for Jared, who's under 40, but also thinks like someone over 40, which is a compliment, by the way. So a minimum, because you don't have to rip the handbrake on at 10%, because there's more opportunities to give. There's more opportunities to play a part in seeing God's kingdom advance. Now, we offer to, as a church, and Louis and I, above our 10%, give to both of those, building the future, which is spaces and places, everything physically that you sit in, that you touch, that you walk through, that you use, that is paid not out of our first 10% giving. That's that's paid or bought from our building the future. Every bit of kids' equipment. Every, it, and, that's, and that's God's idea whenever he built temples and so on and so forth. It was always an additional offering. Again, don't believe me, phone Mike O'Neill. Additional offering because it wasn't to come from the, the 10% that resourced the temple or the community or the local church. It was in addition to, and so we've got building the future as well. So you're like, oh, I get 10%. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna try 11, and that 1% above the 10% minimum is building the future and or elevate global, which again, Louis and I, we do the same thing. Above our 10%, we give every fortnight to elevate global, which is us partnering with compassion and opportunity uh, international into the Philippines, investing in what we call poverty to power with communities in the Philippines. And it doesn't stop there. So let's say we're around 13% at that point in time. We're like, okay, let's try to for 14. So we sponsor a compassion child. Well, let's try for 15. We, we, we didn't do all this in one day, I understand. But this is the And then let's try sponsor a second compassion child. All of us can be on this journey, and this is here, the big idea. Uh, now, because we are moving locations from the hub, our auditorium, to your living room. Uh, probably, and I said it before, the, the, the thing that will be the least affected mechanically is our giving. Um, but uh, you may... Uh, okay, no, I'm not even going to say that. I said it before. Let me pray. And uh, these four things, it's going to require us to have a paradigm shift in the application of these four things of being the church. And we can. You guys are smart. I know it. But have an, have an urgency about it too. Get, get this watch party idea cranked up early in the week and get your invites out there. Um, download the app. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This isn't us, about us building an audience of likes and clicks. And it's, This is us saying the technology's there. It, God has always... I've said this before. I'm going to say just last thing and I'm going to pray. God has always in the last 2,000 years, utilized new but existing technology that was initially 
put in place for other purposes to actually see his kingdom advanced. 2,000 years ago, after Jesus left the building, the Romans had already built roads, shipping lines, ports in, 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 in the known world, the Roman Empire and the Roman Republic. And, and it, it was that infrastructure that God used to allow people to travel and start churches in major cities, major ports, and see his kingdom advanced in the known world. The, the church didn't build the roads. <laughs> God used the roads that already existed and the ships and the ports. 1600s, clever guy that figures out how to print books. And God says, I got a, I got a book I wrote <laughs> that I'd like to see a bit more widely distributed because up to then, the only copies of it were sitting in a closed church building and the only person allowed to touch it was the guy with the dress. And so God said, I got a book I wrote. Um, maybe we can print copies of that and let's call it the Bible and let's actually make it available to anybody who can read. And that happened in the 1600s. And so now we've got all these technologies. Like, oh, I don't trust Google. Me either. Oh, I don't trust Facebook. Me either. But here's the thing. The, the, the things exist. And by the way, if this kind of COVID-19 and this and that, whatever, if, that had, if this had happened... 10 years ago, or if I try to avoid being completely hyperbolic, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to switch over within a week as a church. We would have been like, oh, well, maybe we have a picnic every Sunday. Yeah, great. Except when it becomes June, July. Good luck. <laughs> so these technologies that already exist, that weren't built for God's kingdom in mind, man, can he use them? And he will but only if we take advantage of them because the people had to walk down those Roman roads and get on those ships and print those Bibles and then start distributing them. So we've got to take ownership. We've got to step up. Uh, I am going to be scooting on a Sunday morning to a different watch party every week. Uh, I will not be in my pajamas. Uh, you have my word. Um, you are allowed to be, but I will not be. Um, but I'm looking forward to even connecting on, on those smaller levels and, again, just seeing what God does through this time. So can we pray for this? And then Louis is going to come up and we're going to worship together one more time for the foreseeable future. And uh, then we'll, we'll see you online. God, uh, we don't have control over so much, but that which we do have control of is us appropriating how we be the church in, into different environments and different mechanisms. And God, I thank you that those technologies are available. I thank you that, that we didn't see it coming, but you sure did. Yeah. And uh, you're not worried. We're not worried. Um, thank you for the opportunities that, that will appear before us that we don't, aren't even yet aware of, yeah. that you will use to see your kingdom advanced. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app. 